Praise God, it's still light outside. I don't usually like time change, but I do now. Uh, praise God for that. Uh, thanks for being here. Thanks for coming to spend your evening with us. I do want to thank uh, a few of our friends that are in uh, the, the congregation with us tonight. Um, as we've talked about multiple times, as we're a church plant, we're a brand new five-month-old baby. Uh, we are largely supported from churches and individuals that are in Texas, Arkansas, Louisiana, not Wyoming, never been to Wyoming. Um, and, and one of our partners here is Moberly Baptist Church. So we've got uh, three of their uh, church leaders that are here with us today. And if you see someone walking around with a camera, um, that's with Moberly. They're, they're wanting to go back and show their church what God's doing through their investment in us. And so uh, be sure and shake their hands and tell them thank you. Uh, you've never met them, but they have given generously so that we could be here, so that we can proclaim the gospel. And so uh, we're grateful to have our brothers with us today. And we're grateful for Moberly. So um, as we continue on in this Exiles series, the, the entire book of 1 Peter calls us exiles. If we believe in Jesus Christ, then, then this is not our forever home. We're just traveling through. We're, we're passing through. We're foreigners. We're exiles. This is not our native land. <clears throat> And as exiles, Peter is calling to us, he's telling us the things that we have eternal. And so last week, we looked at how Christ is the cornerstone. And, and it's upon Christ that everything we do as a church and individually in our lives, that is the foundation and the rock that we can build our lives on. And now as we move in uh, to the next passage in 1 Peter chapter 2, he says, because Christ is the cornerstone, and because the church is called to be holy, and because all these things are true, because this is your identity, now he's going to start walking into application. Because these things are true, what should we do? Right? And so, so turn with me in your Bibles to 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 11 through 25. Now, um, praise God, we have several baptisms, or we have two baptisms tonight, and so we have several people that are here to celebrate those. Uh, we, we want you to know uh, our custom is, uh, if you do not have a Bible, um, we're going to have the scriptures on the screens, um, but if you don't have a Bible at all and you would like one as a gift, um, on the inside rows are Bibles from our church. That's our gift to you. Um, everything we believe, everything that transforms us comes um, from the Holy Spirit through God's inspired Word. And so we want you to know uh, that, that everything we teach comes from God's Word. And so we want to be able to give you a Bible if you don't have one. Uh, so turn with me. Um, 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 11. Dear friends, I urge you as strangers and exiles to abstain from the sinful desires that wage war against the soul. Conduct yourselves honorably among the Gentiles. Gentiles are, are non-Christians. So that when they slander you as evildoers, they will observe your good works and will glorify God on the day he visits. Typically, we do read the entire passage, but because today's passage is quite large, we'll hit each section and, and teach through that and then move on to the next one. And so it, he begins, dear friends, as we've talked about, the people in the audience of the book of 1 Peter were going through persecution. Not persecution to death yet. They hadn't been killed at this point, but there was a lot of pressure from society. <coughs> Excuse me. Let me just pause. I do not have the coronavirus <laughs> that I know of. I traveled to a place that is green and has trees to preach at a youth conference. And as we drove around with the windows down, enjoying the beauty, I came home and my throat, immediately that night, my throat was itching and my nose was running. So I am very confident it is just allergies. So I will shake your hand, give you a hug tonight, and you can probably be assured that I don't have coronavirus, okay? So, <clears throat> a, a cup of water would be phenomenal, though, if someone would be such a saint to bring that. Um, so, so he begins, dear friends, 
And, and we've already talked about the, the context of First Peter. These people have been being persecuted, and there was societal pressure for them to stop being Christians, so much so that those Christians who began in Jerusalem have now been persecuted, and they moved north into an entire continent of Asia Minor, okay? So there's persecution and problems going on. Thank you, Shannon. And they've lost everything, and, and Peter's about to tell them, I know you've lost everything, but I'm going to tell you to kick it in gear and act holy. And I'm going to give you some very hard, specific ways in which you need to, despite all the pressure, you need to live like this. And, and you know, anytime you've had to tell something hard to your friends or to your kids, you start out with something nice. And he says, dear friends. He reminds them, hey, look, I'm with you in this. Uh, We have brotherhood together. Now hear what I have to say. I urge you. That means I'm begging you. I'm begging you as strangers and exiles, people who our identity is not wrapped up in this temporary earth, to abstain from sinful desires that wage war against the soul. That word abstain means to stay very far from. My mother flew in today from Dallas-Fort Worth to Denver to Casper. She abstained from everybody. She was putting hand gel in her hands and then she was like, nope, you could be dangerous to me. And she would stay far away. She Clorox wiped everything on the seats and everything, anywhere she went, she had Clorox wipes and hand gel, okay? That's abstaining. (laughs) So because you know there could be a very dangerous threat, you're not even going to tempt it or flirt with it, you're going to stay away. To drive that point home even more, we have a a friend of ours in Cowley, Wyoming, who's a church planter there. He's a great guy that has nothing to do about his church. This is about hunting. He went elk hunting, and he's a horse trainer, and he's got several great horses. And he he goes miles into the backcountry north of Cody, Wyoming, grizzly country. As they're coming down the mountain at this particular time, they're actually walking their horses. And he said that as they looked up, 15 yards in front of them was a massive grizzly bear. As I asked for more details today, he said he could smell the the bear's breath and could see the steam. He stayed absolutely still and prepared for if the worst happened. But what he didn't keep doing is keep walking. He abstained. <laughs> he saw very real, imminent danger and said, I'm just going to stand right here. And, and thankfully, by God's grace, the, the bear turned. Uh, at 15 yards, you couldn't even have drawn a gun, probably. Uh, but the, the bear walked away um, But what, I, what that made me think of is what Peter's getting at here. He says, dear friends, I'm begging you. When you see sinful desires, stay as far away from them as you can because they will devour your life. He literally says, abstain from, so to stay away from. So, so the sin, and, I, and we're not going to get into specifics tonight. You know your sin. When you see your desire to want that sin, picture that grizzly bear that will kill you in an instant. Because in a very real and eternal sense, sin is way more dangerous than that grizzly bear. And so he's saying, I'm urging you to stay away from those things. Why? Because they wage war against your soul. The word picture of that truly is that your sin gears up like a soldier and goes on attack. And so friends, every time we let our guard down and every time we see danger coming and we decide to keep approaching, I can get a little closer without dying. No, friends. The question is never how close can I get without sinning. It's simply how far can I get away from this so that it can't hurt me. And so when we think of those sin struggles in our lives, let us be reminded that we are called to stay far from them 
because they are literally gearing up like a soldier and fighting a war against our being. Peter is telling them already, your identity is not as, as a pagan amongst you. It is as a redeemed and adopted child of God, and therefore you are different. And so that differentness, that identity as a child of God, that's what sin's attacking. So dear friends, Outfitter Church, I urge you as exiles to abstain from the sinful desires that wage war against the soul. He concretes that, that point by verse 12. He says, conduct yourselves honorably among the Gentiles so that when they slander you as evildoers, they will observe your good works and will glorify God on the day that he visits. Now, <clears throat> in chapter 3, we see one of the greatest passages for evangelism where he says, um, always have an answer for those who ask you for the hope that is in you. In a summarized form, he's saying, when someone asks you why you're different, be ready to tell them about Jesus. No one's going to ask you why you're different if you're not different. And that's our challenge as the church. So he says, um, conduct yourselves honorably among the Gentiles. So he says to, as strangers, as people who don't belong here, stay away from your sin. Stay away from these desires that are waging war against who you are as a Christian. Now that's the looking at it in the negative side of don't do this. Not doing that earns you the honorable conduct in which we're supposed to live our lives so that as we'll see in the later chapters, gives us the opportunity then to share the gospel. And so the umbrella of everything we're fixing to get into, um, of all the things, of all the things Peter could have said of, of what not to do, he, he gets on two that are the hardest for me. We're, we're fixing to get to that. Um, but, but the umbrella is abstain from your sinful desires and to live an honorable life among the Gentiles. Why? For the glory of God. Because it says they'll see your good works and they will glorify God on the day when he visits. And so, abstain and live honorably. That's the umbrella on which we're fixing to get two very clear application points from Peter. Join me now as we read in verse 13. Submit to every human authority. That's government. And laws, okay? So submit to every human authority because of the Lord, whether it's to the emperor as the supreme authority or to governors as those sent out by him to punish those who do what is evil and to praise those who do and, and to praise those who do what is good. For it is God's will that you silence the ignorance of foolish people by doing good. Submit as free people, not using your freedom as a cover-up for evil, but as God's slaves. Honor everyone. Love the brothers and sisters. Fear God. Honor the emperor. Say, Tyler, what, what's so hard about that? He's just saying do what's right. Unfortunately, the speed limit laws fall underneath this passage. <clears throat> and if you've ever ridden in the vehicle with me, you know that I am flying in clear opposition of this passage. It's one of the hardest things about being a pastor is I have to be convicted by this all week long before I then have to preach it. And so I've had seven days to go, dang it, I have to stop speeding before I can preach this sermon and I really need to examine my heart. But, but think about, I, I make a joke about, I make a joke about uh, speed limits, okay? Think about the context. These people have moved into this city because they were persecuted for being Christians. Now in this city that doesn't like Christians, there is pressure all around. The way you live your life is harmful to our way of life. The, the fact that you abstain from these things is not good for our society. And there's pressure at every single point of their life. They are being pressured and they are being scrutinized. If they're exiles and they're new to that city, everyone knows they're new. And so what Peter is saying, look, all eyes are on you. All eyes. 
and not just other Christian eyes, eyes that will spend their eternity separated from God in a real, literal place called hell. And so you have to live honorably. You've got to find ways in which their culture, you can't just move out into a secluded village and have this little Christian home where no one lost is allowed. He's saying you got to live amongst your people, but you got to find ways to be honorable. Now, we're not getting into the small little arguments of if you're down in the middle of Matitsi, Wyoming, where there's like two people and there's a stop sign. Do you stop all the way? Or do you, like the sheriff of that county, roll through it? I don't know the sheriff of that county, and I don't know if he's done that. I'm just making an illustration. Please don't snitch on me, okay? In Wyoming there, I was giving some, other, some of our other ministry partners a tour, and, and I was driving in what I think is a Wyoming way, meaning I just rolled through some of the stop signs because there's no one but antelope out there. And they're like, oh, nice stop sign, way to be holy. And I'm like, listen here, Texas, go back, okay? We do things a little differently. But then I was like, maybe I'm justifying my sin, okay? Here's what we're not doing. I, I'm not giving you a rubric on which you do all these perfect things and God will love you and you'll go to heaven. I, I, I don't know all the answers, right? If I've got someone in my back seat and they're in trouble and they're hurt and I'm speeding to get to the hospital, I'm breaking lots of laws, but in the name of doing something good. Okay, so I'm not here to be legalistic, which means giving you a measuring stick in life so that you can be perfect and earn God's grace. That's not possible and that's not what we're doing. But what's very clear is that he says, submit to every human authority. And then he lists a top-down level, meaning all authority structures in your life, we are to obey and to be honorable as Christians in a foreign land. In a very real sense, Outfitter Church is the new guy in town that everyone is looking to. Everyone's looking at us saying, what is it they believe about this Jesus? And is it credible? Do they live, do they walk what they're talking? And so Outfitter Church, in a very, very real way, when we're driving through town, when we're spending time hunting, <laughs> this is where it really haunts me is hunting laws, okay? Um, I remember one time a, a good friend of mine, I, I'd gone out of state to go hunt with him and the out of state license was expensive. I'd saved up. I bought the license, or I was planning to buy the license, but before he did, he said, hey, um, just so you can save some money, just shoot it and use my tag. This specific person is not a Christian. And I said, no, that's okay. I've already saved up my money and I don't feel that that's right. So uh, I appreciate you trying to save me money, but I'm gonna pay for it. Nothing else was said. At the end of the week, he said, hey, Tyler, I just want you to know how much I respect you. I tried to get you to do something that's unethical to save money, uh, but you stood your ground and you stood firm to your convictions. And I'm not a poster child for following all hunting laws. But what I'm getting at is, is the spirit of this text is saying, there are people watching you. And what you do has a direct reflection of what they will then believe about God. And so when you think about what Bar Nun thinks about God, what you do in your vehicle, in your home, at your job, you're affecting that. What Casper believes about God is primarily, it is in a very real way influenced by what we do as a people. And do we live an honorable life as a Christian? As we move on, we, we, we move into now verse 18. And he says, household slaves Submit to your masters with all reverence, not only to the good and the gentle ones, but also to the cruel. For it brings favor if, because of a consciousness of God, someone endures grief from suffering, un, or endures grief from suffering unjustly. Verse 20. For what credit is there if when you do wrong and you, and you are beaten, if you endure it? But when you do what is good and suffer, if you endure it, this brings favor with God. So Peter already stepped on our toes. And think again of the context. 
They were in a city in an environment that really did not like them in any way, shape, or form. I've never felt an ounce of dislike because of my faith in the state of Wyoming. So, and we don't, we can't really relate exactly to what they're feeling. So it's even harder for what Peter challenged them. So he's already said, obey all the laws and the governing authorities in your cities. Now he says, when you go to work, same rule applies. Outfitter Church, what your boss believes about God is influenced by the way that you work. Man, that's heavy. <laughs> so in, 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 a, in every situation, he says, live honorably. And now, let me not ignore this. This is for a different sermon for a different Wednesday. But let it be sufficient for tonight to say, that the slavery he's talking about is very different than the slavery that we experienced in our own country um, in our recent history. Um, and, and so what this is not only referencing is that the, the modern slavery that we know of as Americans. Like I said, it's a different sermon for a different week for us to dive down into the intricacies of that. But sufficient to say the best application we can make is that we go to a job almost every single day and we work and we labor and we toil. Um, oftentimes we're not the boss of those jobs. We have employees and in, uh, employers. We, we work in a community of people. And what he is saying is that you are to submit to them, to, so, so to trust, to listen, to follow their leadership with respect, all respect, reverence, not only to the good bosses, but also to the cruel for it brings favor. That if you know that you're suffering unjustly, but you know that Christ suffered unjustly as well, and you endure it, man, what an example that sets. Again, thinking to the context of 1 Peter, they're in a city, in a, in a country that doesn't want them there. Everyone's looking to them as the new guy, not only the new guy, but the new guy that believes something weird. They want to see what is it about this person that's different. And friends, when we go to our jobs, or uh, let's say that you're a stay-at-home mom or you're a work-from-home person, what your kids see, what your friends and your neighbors see, and what your bosses and your employees and your coworkers see is a very influential way of which they're then going to see God. And so again, Outfitter Church, when you go to your work, when you're at home discipling your children, whatever it is that you do the majority of your weeks, we are called to be honorable. Why? Because it will bring glory to God and it earns us the ability to share the gospel later. Okay? I think of those two very specific applications. Submit into all governing authorities and be a perfect employee. <laughs> Dad gummit, Peter. <laughs> like, seriously? You couldn't have said, like, stop yelling at your kids. You couldn't have said, like, stop having road rage. Those are much easier, I think, than, than to submit to um, all governing authorities and to be a perfect employee. I wish it would have been a little easier, but, but God didn't write this, God did, okay? So I, my job is to submit to this word as God is my authority. In those two things, let me, let me share with you a, a guiding principle. Be above reproach. That is a, a Bible phrase that means if someone throws mud at you, it won't stick. And so think about all the deception that goes on in the workplace. Think about all of the greed and all the backstabbing. And, and you know, you, you think someone you can trust and then out of nowhere they stab you in the back and then they find out somehow they've now moved up above you in the corporate ladder. Or, or maybe on, on your rig they got promoted and you deserved it but because they were willing to be a snake and to be shady, they got more money and a better promotion. May it never be said of Christians that we operate in underhanded, shady ways so that we can make more money or get a better promotion. 
May it be said of us that no matter who we are, our employees and our employers know that we are not going to take bribes, we're not going to be deceptive, we will not be filled with greed, and that we are honorable, trustworthy people that they can rely on. But being above reproach, again, I'm not telling you the, uh, all, the perf- like all the crazy intricacies of stop signs out in the middle of nowhere and speed limits when you're in a hurry, okay? I, we, we need to honor our governing authorities. We need to honor our laws, okay? But, but the governing principle of what I'm trying to say is we need to be above reproach. That if outsiders are looking into our lives, they see honor and they see character and they see trustworthiness which will then help them see those traits in God who is relentlessly pursuing them and trying to save their souls. Now, he begins by saying, dear friends, because he knew what he was gonna say, it was gonna be very hard. And then he comforts them and he says in verse 21, for you were called to this because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. He did not commit sin, and no deceit was found in his mouth. When he was insulted, he did not insult in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but he entrusted himself to the one who judges justly. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree so that having died to sins, we might live for righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed. For you were like sheep going astray but you have now returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. So he says, dear friends, those sinful desires that look so appetizing and so uh, appealing, stay far away from them as if it's a soldier with a sword coming to kill you. Stay away from it. Now that you're staying away from sin, let me show you what you need to pursue. You need to pursue being honorable and obeying and submitting to the governing authorities. And you need to be honorable in your workplace. You need to be above reproach. And in a dark and deceptive world, be the light and be reliable. That is a hard word, and he comforts us in this, for you were called to this. Friends, when you're suffering at your jobs and when you're you're having a hard time fighting against your sinful desires, remember Peter's words to you, for you were called to this because Christ also suffered. He leaves us an example that we should follow in his steps. And so you say, Pastor, you don't understand who I work for. (laughs) Pastor, you don't understand the speed limit in my neighborhood. Like there are 18 stop signs on my way to work. Come on, why are you doing this to me? Again, I'm laughing at those, but, but there are some very real pressures in our lives. that sometimes it's just easier to give in and to be sinful than it is to be honorable. When you're faced with that temptation, remember Christ. Christ was sinless, and he died a sinner's death. Christ is the ultimate authority with all the power of God. He could have stopped anything that he wanted to stop. But it says, he did not commit sin, nor was deceit found in his mouth. So in the midst of all this, Christ had never sinned. When he was insulted by people he created, he didn't insult them back. It says when, when he suffered from the people he created, he didn't threaten them, though he could have because he's God and could have killed them immediately. He didn't even do that. He didn't resort back to his power that he had. He endured. It says, he entrusted himself to the one who judges justly. Look, friends, I get there is corruption, there is unfair things, and there are unethical choices being made every single day in our uh, governing authorities and in our workplaces. Guess what? Christ suffered more. 
There was more deceit in the killing of Christ. There was more insult in the killing of Christ. There was more everything in the killing of Christ. And he entrusted himself to God who judges justly. And so when you have been unfairly treated and you see these injustices happening, just remember, God, I can entrust myself to you because no no matter what happens in this city and at my job, you know the truth. And so we entrust ourselves to God because we can trust him. So as you fight against sin and as you fight to be honorable in our communities and in our workplaces, may we remember that we entrust ourselves to God who knows what's going on and he is just. Verse 24 makes me very grateful because guess what? We have been deceptive. We have been unjust. We have broken the laws on purpose. We have seen that, you know what, that law doesn't matter because I'm more important than whatever they set up. So I'm going to do things my way. So church, we've sinned and we've fallen short of God's perfect standard. Christ on the cross is our forgiveness. Now, if you're in this room tonight, and I'm sure that with a room like this, there's someone in here who does not know Christ yet as their personal Lord and their Savior. They've not entrusted themselves to the one who judges justly. Let me, let me just say something to you. We wouldn't have to look far in my life or in your life to find a deceptive choice, an arrogant or prideful choice, a selfish choice, something that was to gratify you to the detriment of others. That right there is called sin. And sin is rejecting a holy God's standard. He created you, right? I think about making a truck. He he creates the truck and he says, this is the gasoline that needs to go in it. And you need E85, but you put diesel. Your engine is broken because you've gone against God's manufacturing rules for your life. And the only one who can restore that engine is God himself. Instead of punishing you, he sent his son to receive that punishment in your place. So hear the gospel right now. Verse 24, he himself bore our sins. So your unjust business choices, your your prideful attitude and your sins, whatever they may be, He bore those in his body on the tree, the cross, so that having died to sin, we might live for righteousness. By his wounds, you have been healed, for you were like sheep going astray. Now, for the church, for those who have put their faith in Christ, that comfort is for you. You have now returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. But if you're in this room tonight and you've yet to put your faith in Jesus, you are still dead in your sins and in your trespasses. And there is a very real God who's making a very real appeal to you saying, I've already punished my son in your place. Will you accept my adoption? Will you entrust yourself to me that in the midst of a broken and evil world, you can have someone that's trustworthy? I will be faithful to you if you will follow me. This passage doesn't tell the whole story because not only did he take our sins on the cross, but he came up off of that cross. He, he He died, he was buried in a grave, and on the third day, Christ conquered death. Everyone in this room is gonna die. Only those who are in Christ will then be resurrected into life eternal in heaven. The rest will be brought into the second death, an eternal separation from God in what the Bible calls hell. Your friends aren't there and the poker game isn't there. It's separation from God and all things good. But God gives you the opportunity to change. And so I just wanna ask you, you, are you willing to turn from your sins and follow Christ today? He gives you a purpose to be different. And he gives you someone that you can trust in the midst of injustice and people who are untrustworthy. If you want to respond to this shepherd and overseer of your souls who has done everything to make your new life in Christ possible, 
I'm gonna ask you to pray a prayer to God tonight. There's nothing fancy about it. It's simply declaring truth that you believe what Jesus did on the cross and you believe that God loves you and that he wants to walk with you in this life and give you the life he created you for in the first place. Remember, you put the diesel in, not him. You broke your life, not God. God says, I'll come in and I'll, and I'll restore your life and I'll, create, and I'll restore it to its original glory, a life fulfilled by following Jesus. So if you would please bow your heads and close your eyes. If you want to follow Christ, if you want your engine to be rebuilt tonight, I'm going to say some things and I want you to repeat those after me. God, I need you. Will you forgive my sins? I have been unjust. I have lied. I have cheated. But I want to change. I believe Jesus died for my sins and that he rose from the dead. I believe you love me. I believe you have a purpose for me. Forgive my sins. Adopt me. I will follow you all my life. Now with heads bowed and eyes closed, if you prayed that, you were probably given a connection card on your way in. I, I want you to write your name and I want you to tell me, check that top box that says you decided to follow Jesus today. And we're gonna get you a Bible, we're gonna help you get connected to a church. I'll give you a call as soon as I can. But don't leave tonight without telling me or someone in our church that you just decided to follow Jesus. Now let me pray for our church and then we're gonna do baptisms. Father, you are good. You call us to a very, very, very high standard. And sometimes it gets hard and we get weary and we don't wanna do it. But yet God, we can look to Christ and know that no matter what pain we express, he's, ex he's, he's felt more. No matter how hard it's get, it was harder for Christ. And therefore we can endure because we are in Christ. Help us as a church to be honorable, trustworthy, and bringing glory to you, God. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Now, typically we sing at this point, um, but before we sing, we're going to celebrate life change. Uh, we, have, we have two people that um, have followed Christ years back. They gave their lives to Christ, but they didn't get to follow in baptism. And so tonight we have two people who are going to follow the Lord in baptism, uh, a public profession of faith that we are abstaining from our sins and that we're going to live honorable and trustworthy lives being above reproach to our community. And so what, what we're going to do is I'm going to hop back behind the curtain and, and take all electronics out of my pockets and get ready for baptisms. Um, and then uh, during that time, we're going to watch Luke's testimony. He, he, we recorded his testimony and he shares what Christ did. And then after that, we're going to have Kayla and we're going to listen to her video and then we'll do her baptism as well. And so church, this is cause for celebration. Anytime someone's following the Lord's obedience to be baptized, we celebrate that. Um, and so, uh, Gage, if you will play the video, let's watch this video, um, and then I'll be back in a second. I was introduced to God at a young age. I uh, went to church with my grandma. She read to me every night. I grew up in and out of church. Thought I knew God thought I had a relationship with him and uh, the further on I went in life I realized that there was something missing a hole I guess and uh, I started doing things that weren't me things that uh, weren't making me the man that I wanted to be and uh, 
So I started going to church with my wife, Carrie, and we spent some time there, probably two years, and I finally went in one day and I said, enough is enough. And I asked Jesus to come into my heart. And I felt him come into my heart. And I spent some time away from him since then. And uh, right now I'm really working on coming back to God. And I know, I know he's present. I know he's came back into my life. And it's a beautiful thing. And I want to spend the rest of my life being a man of God. The devil's definitely tried to step in and, you know, he's trying to make problems with various things in my life and uh, it's just a matter of being able to fight him off because I do have Jesus in my life. You know, anytime I feel like he's there, I can go to the Bible and read it and read some of God's word and I know that uh, it's going to be all right. I just got to keep pushing through want everybody to try to get to where I'm at that's not there. I want everybody to believe because he's there and he does good things and he is the Almighty Father. He's forgiven us for our sins by sacrificing his only son. All you have to do is acknowledge that he's there, believe in him, and try to live a life that he wants you to live. I'm Luke Hubbard, and I have decided to follow Jesus. Amen. All right, Luke, if you'll come on over here. And then, um, Paul, could I have you uh, come help them with their towels when they come in and out? Amen not too miserable. Yeah, yeah. So friends, this is, you don't have to get down yet. Oh, I'll save you. I'll save you a few seconds. Uh, Friends, this is Luke, and Luke and I got connected at Beast Feast, which was kind of like our launch event for our church plant. Um, And Luke told me then with just this laser focus, he said, I want in. Whatever I have to do, I want to help this church. I want to come back to God. Um, And through getting to talk with him, like he shared in the story that uh, he came to Christ uh, several years ago, and, and through that has kind of had goods and bads in and, and ways, and I think so many of us can relate to that. Um, but now he's found a church that he's going to be committed to, um, and he wants to follow the Lord in baptism, and so we celebrate that. So, as is our custom, um, Luke, do you covenant, do you make a promise with Outfitter Church to uh, make disciples with us and be discipled by us? Yes, sir. Amen. And then church, uh, I'm going to ask you a question. I want you to say, we will, uh, if you're willing to covenant with that. And so Outfitter Church, do you make a covenant and a promise with Luke and with his family that you will um, disciple him and help him make disciples with us? Amen. Amen. Luke, all right, now we can hop down and face towards the hangar. It's never warm. It's never warm. Okay. Um, Luke, based upon your public profession of faith in Christ Jesus, I baptize you now, my brother, in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, buried in the likeness of his death and raised to walk in newness of life. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Love you, brother. <laughs> All right, and now let's, uh, we're going to watch Kayla's testimony, and then we'll have her come up. My life before Christ was full of adventure that led me to all kinds of unfulfilling places. So I lived to work and I lived to party. What happened to me that made me want to come to Christ was I was repeating the same cycle over and over again. Um, At an early age, at 16, I ran away from home, um, sought after the wrong type of man, found myself pregnant, and 
scared and had an abortion. Um, by age 19, I um, found myself in an abusive relationship that time and had another abortion and thought that was you know, my only way out. Uh, a few years later, again, I excelled in my career, was still partying, I worked hard to party hard, and again was chasing another guy that was probably not the best fit who had, um, which is hard to believe, uh, worse addiction problems than I even had. And I found myself pregnant again, and I thought, how can this be happening? I came home to visit, and my best friends uh, told me about this place called True Care that gave us gave free pregnancy tests. And they took an ultrasound, and you know, gave me some uh, book to read, and uh, gave me some information and some resources. And I thought, you know, when I get back to Arizona, I'm just I'll have to schedule the abortion. On my way back, I had I got really exhausted. I stopped in a hotel in Albuquerque and decided I had nothing else to do. There was nothing on TV, and I opened this book that the True Care lady gave me, and I started reading it. And I just all of a sudden just my eyes were opened. I, I can't explain it any better than that. I just and I happened to have a Bible in my room, so I picked it up and I started. Uh, referencing some of the scriptures that were in that book and I my eyes were open to realize what I needed to do and what I had been doing wrong this whole time so I immediately just fell to the ground and started asking for forgiveness um, from the Lord and just asking him to help me I don't know what to do I don't know where to go from here now what <laughs> uh, from there I just kept seeking the Lord and he drew me closer to him and now today I have my beautiful little girl and um, my only child and the only child I probably will ever have. So what a blessing in my life. What Christ has done since then is amazing. Uh, it started subtle. I started uh, a prayer journal. I started not so much seeking the Bible. I still was a little confused on my path. I was still in this uh, relationship with the father of my child that I didn't know what to do. His addiction started swirling out of control and he committed suicide. And that was another one of those moments where I really needed to rely on Christ. One of the ladies from True Care happened to call me to follow up with me and asked me how everything was going. And I shared with her what had happened to the father of my child and she asked to pray with me. And so, um, we prayed and afterwards she said, you know, is there anything I can do? And I said, well, actually, there is something you could help me with. Since you prayed with me, I would imagine you would know how to find a Bible. And a couple weeks later, I wound up getting um, a gift package with all kinds of great things for the baby and then a Bible. And I still have that Bible to this day. I started really um, seeking a little bit more, a little bit more. And as time went on, um, God put people and places in my life to help me learn and absorb his word. And I came back home to Casper, Wyoming. I married um, a man who his father was a pastor. Uh, I started doing Bible studies and I just continued to grow I, in, in his word. And I, I learned something new every day. <laughs> my favorite thing about following Christ is no matter what happens, I'm okay. There's a, a peace that comes with that. And no matter what storm there or trial or whatever that may be, I can lean on the Lord. I was very confused actually for the last probably five years, um, 10 years, I don't even know, uh, of what really baptism was. And I did pray on it most recently and asked, you know, I don't, I don't know what this means for me in my life. I'd also been praying about what's my role in church and do I need to go to church? Does, is church really relevant for me? And through that prayer, I attended my first service at Outfitter Church and really liked it. And shortly after to become a member of the church, um, I met with yourself and you explained to me, um, you know, a little bit about what baptism is defined as. And, and that really answered the prayer that I had been asking is, you know, what what is baptism to me and what does that look like? And I'm excited to be able to finally say as a, with my full whole heart and as an adult to be able to say, yes, I, I do want to publicly state that 
I'm going to follow the Lord. And I, you know, I believe I've been following the Lord, but I really want to make that public um, representation of that. I'm Kayla Woolison, and I've decided to follow Jesus. Come on. Amen. Thank you for your boldness. Uh, I've asked her to share her story on multiple different occasions. And, um, and actually, Alyssa, do you mind coming up here? Alyssa, this is her daughter uh, that God has provided. So we know that baptism isn't significant only for families. It's, it's significant for the spiritual family. That, that, that's really what baptism is about is a spiritual family. But due to the nature of your testimony, and, and you're the little miracle baby. You're the gospel baby. Um, and, and so we've actually got some folks here uh, from True Care, and uh, we just want to thank you. True Care is a phenomenal ministry in our community that is constantly giving hope and alternatives uh, to women that are in horrible situations. Um, and it's through their ministry that you came to know Jesus Christ as your Savior. And so, uh, ladies, Thank you for your hard work and ministry, um, and thank you for your labor in the gospel for now our church and our community is better off and has a sold out uh, gospel sharing witness um, because of your ministry. So thank you so much. We praise you for that. Okay. Kayla, do you make a covenant um, with Outfitter Church that you want to be discipled by us and make disciples with us? I do. Amen. And church, do you make a covenant with Kayla and with her family that, that you will disciple her and help her to make disciples with us? We will. Amen. Okay, we'll hop down. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> okay. I've already gotten used to it, so I feel really bad now. <laughs> okay. Um, Kayla, I baptize you because of your public profession of faith in Christ Jesus. I baptize you now in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, buried in likeness of his death, and raised to walk in newness of life. <laughs> Sorry. There <laughs> you go. You got it? Praise the Lord. Amen. One of these days, we will have this hot water hot. Um, We've got it four degrees warmer than last time, so hey, progress, baby, not perfection, okay? Um, now, band, uh, if you would come, please. Uh, we want to sing, and we want to praise God. We don't just sing. As they're coming up, you're going to get another sermon. We, we don't just sing to fill the time on a Wednesday night. We sing because Jesus is worthy of us to lift up our praise to him and to say thank you. The Bible commands us to exalt God with song. And so as we prepare to sing, think about what God has done. Think about these lives that have been changed and what he's doing in our church and our community. And let's praise God. And then I'll come back up afterwards and we'll do announcements and we'll close in prayer. But thank you. Love you, church.